You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Well, we're talking about solidarity, and uh, the idea behind this is that um, sometimes uh, we need, uh, I would say it this way, we need a... um, a reminder of what really matters. It's so easy for us in many ways to kind of focus on our uh, personal lives that uh, we get distracted by that, and then we're not actually focusing on the greater good that God has. And so today, uh, what I'd like to talk about is that we need to focus on the greater good, and what a word I want to add to that in this series is we've got to remember. If we're going to focus on the greater good, we've got to remember, because remembering is something that's extremely important to us. Uh, in fact, a lot of us, um, we love to remember. We love to think about things of the past. Oh, thank you, Pastor Billy. Uh, we love to think about things of the past. Like, we love to remember anniversaries, right, men? Come on, right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, we love to remember birthdays. Uh, in fact, some of our best conversations we've ever had starts with, hey, do you remember when? Because there are things that have happened in our past, and when we remember those things, it's encouraging. Uh, when we were called, this, in fact, uh, Becky and I have actually been here now for six months. This is our six-month mark, and it's like gone like that. Uh, amazing, and we absolutely love it being, being at 360. But when we were moving from New York down here, we decided that we would liquidate a lot of what we had um, and uh, just kind of go through some things because we had collected over 52 years of being in New York almost. Uh, we collected a lot of stuff, including six bins of photos that we had taken over the years and had printed. Uh, Many of them were of our marriage when we were first married, and then several were of our kids. And now that all of our kids were out of the house, my wife decided to start this picture project where she would sort through the bins and then make a bin for each one of our kids. And one night, I'm in our bedroom upstairs in in New York. We got basements. She's down in the basement. She's going through the pictures. She comes up when I'm watching TV, and her face literally looked like Freddy Krueger. She had mascara just running down her face, and she's like, you go downstairs right now. You get downstairs. She goes, you look at those pictures, and you tell me that God hasn't been faithful to our family. And in those moments, I didn't know whether I should run and hug her or run in fear. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But it was a moment for us remembering. And what happened was I did. I went downstairs, and I began to flip through the pictures. And man, I tell you, like a picture is worth a thousand words. Do you know what I'm saying? And it was so cool in these moments to just remember, like, over the years, just how faithful God had been in our lives. In fact, I started looking through some of the pictures of even my own journey that brought us to 360. And I I just wanted to share a few of those pictures with you this morning. Because in 1992, the first church that I worked at, I'm going to show you a picture here, was Fellowship Baptist Church. And it was in uh, Springfield, Virginia, a very small church. I was a youth pastor. And back then, apparently, that's what you wore as a youth pastor and uh, what's so funny about this picture is, is my, my kids love to tease me because they call that my Great Depression glasses. <laughs> Covers my whole face. So, you know, we were there for a little while. And then after we were there, you know, God used it to start a ministry. But then we went to a church in Pittsburgh. And uh, you'll see in the next picture here. It was called the Chapel, the Bible Chapel. Uh, it was absolutely a really cool experience for us. Uh, I had the privilege of leading 200 youth. Uh, I got grew, a youth group of 200 individuals. It was there where I converted over to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You know, I uh, had to do it. Uh, here's another picture of the church. It was uh, brand new, just a really contemporary, like in, in 1994, that was out of the box, you know. 
Uh, but it was on a hill, and it was just a, a witness to like so many people driving by and, and the busy streets. And it was a really neat experience for us. And God began to grow my passion in ministry. And then after that, He called me back to New York because we're having little kids, and uh, called me to a fam uh, to a church, uh, Candago Baptist Church at the time. And I've actually got a picture here. This is one of those churches that had the picture directory. Uh, remember, if you've been around the church world for any period of time, you remember picture directories, you know? And I wanted to show this picture because what you'll see there is, look at my wife's hair. And that really ought to tell you everything about, you know, trying to get your kids to pose and take that picture. I was just informed a few minutes ago, she had just received a speeding ticket right before this picture. She was getting the kids ready. And uh, so, of course, she's going to look like that. Uh, so we were there for seven years as an associate. I learned a ton about ministry. And then I went to another church as a lead pastor. And uh, that was a really, really trying time for us. And uh, it was seven years at this church. It was a very difficult ministry. And you can tell by the look in my daughter's eyes, like how difficult it was. Like she didn't even know which way to look, you know, like, where do I look? Uh, and then out of that, like God really just birthed a passion in us for really wanting to plant a church that really had similar philosophy to like 360 church. And uh, we started a church called Epic Church, and here's a picture of that. We did that in a strip mall location. And who goes to church in a strip mall location, right? Who goes to church in a warehouse? And uh, God really, really allowed us to, to do some really neat things in ministry. And uh, you'll see the next picture. We actually had uh, a huge outreach to the college that was there. And God used it to allow us to lead over 100 people to know him as their Lord and Savior and several dozen people baptized in the faith uh, because they just committed their lives to Christ. And it was really neat for us. And after eight years of being there, uh, it's so cool to see how God journeys you through life. He actually called us to another church, Lakeshore Community Church, where in many ways I would serve in the same capacity as what I'm doing here. And it was a larger church that allowed me to understand better systems and structures and how to organize things. And it was just really cool how God used that to prepare us for 360 Church. And we took a picture when we first got here as well. And I think that'll speak to your heart this morning. So this next picture from 360 Church. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, need I say more, you know? Um, and I think on that picture, uh, Becky probably aged a little better than me. I don't know, you know? But isn't it true? Like, think about this. Isn't it true that remembering is really, really cool? It's so important for us to be people who remember but what I love about that is, is, is not only is it important to us, but remembering is something that is really, really important to God. And this morning, I really believe this, that we're going to talk about for the greater good, remember. And here's what I want to say before we dive in this morning. It is such a simple message, but it's such a profound truth that if we can embrace this idea of remembering, God will use it to radically alter our lives. And so we're going to jump in this morning in this solidarity uh, collection that we're in. We're going to jump into Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 through 24. And I want to encourage you, if you text the word SEEN to 97,000, whether you're here or online, if you text that, you'll actually be able to get the message notes and, and just follow along this morning and kind of my train of thought. And I really believe if you're someone who's willing to take notes and write some of these things down, I believe that the Holy Spirit will use it in your life in a profound way. And so what we do in this, in this series is we're picking up the story where we've learned so far that God, uh, Moses, the servant of God, was dead. He was no longer on the scenes anymore. He calls up a, a new leader, Joshua, who, in many ways, Joshua may be, for me, my favorite biblical character. He was someone who was sold out and passionate for the things of God. And God saw that in him. And God, when he raised him up, he said, Joshua, 
wherever you go, I will bless you. I will bless you and I will give you land and I will give you territory. And my friends, I think there's a, a mini sermon in this, and, and it's this. That anytime we follow hard after God, God will bless us. Because the Bible says that when we follow him in word and deed, and when we honor him wherever it is that he calls us to go, there he is and there he will bless us. God always blesses people who follow him in word and deed. Um, and so God blesses him. And, and what God says to Joshua is that I'm going to allow you to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. But the, the, the problem for them was is that they had to get across this Jordan River and, and walk across this river to get to the promised land. But it was an impossible feat for them to do. So God says to Joshua, here's how you're going to do it. You're going to uh, call the priests up. You're going to put the uh, covenant of, of the Ark of the Covenant with the priests. You're going to carry that to the water's edge so that when the priests get to the water's edge and when their feet touch the edge of the waters, the waters will part and all two million people from Israel will cross the Jordan River on dry ground. Now imagine being the leader. Like you're Joshua and you got to go back and tell the people, hey, uh, consecrate yourself because God's going to do something amazing by splitting the river. Uh, and the way he's going to do that is he's going to have the, and, and if you explain this story, you'd be like, are you kidding me? That's nuts, right? Like, give us Moses back, because we're certainly not going to follow after you. But that's what God does. God says to Joshua, consecrate yourself. And what's so important about that is, before they ever do something great for God, they needed to surrender themselves to God. And one of the reasons why I love Joshua so much is, when you look back over his relationship with Moses, Scripture tells us that Joshua would often go with Moses to the tent of meeting and the tent of meeting where Moses would go into this tent and face to face the, the glory of God would come down and Moses would talk with God. And then it would say in that portion of scripture that when Moses would leave, Joshua, son of Nun, would not depart from the tent. And the picture was, as Joshua saw Moses' legacy by the way that he just embraced God through prayer and, and, and fellowship with God, Joshua had to have that for himself. And so Joshua says, living by example, consecrate yourself, because when you do, God will do great things. And what happens is the very next day, that's what happens. The priests come to the edge of the Jordan River, put their feet in the Jordan River, it's, it, it spreads, and the nation of Israel crosses all two million of them. And what happens is where we pick up the story here today is that once they get to the other side, Joshua says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 men, one from each of the tribes, go down to the center of the river and take up 12 stones, river rocks, bring them out of the river, and we will go to Gilgal where we'll stay tonight. And in Gilgal, we're going to build a monument. Gilgal was just over, uh, just under, uh, just over a mile away from Jericho, the first town that they were going to defeat. And they were going to build this monument in Gilgal. And God requested them to do that so that when the children and the future generations would ask him, what is this monument all about? That Joshua would be able to tell them and the people would be able to tell them about the faithfulness of God, what God had done for them in the past. They would remember God's faithfulness and become faithful people themselves. And so it's clear, what God wants us to do is he wants us to recall over and over again the things that he's done for us in the past. 
So as I was thinking about this, I actually did a little bit of research. Do you know the word remember is used 137 times in the Old Testament? It's important to God. In fact, I love this verse, Isaiah 46, verse 9, the Lord speaking. God says, remember the, what everybody? Former things. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. You go to the New Testament and it's used 36 different times. In fact, one of them, Peter is writing to all the churches of Asia Minor. And Peter says to them, dear friends, the reason that I'm writing you is I'm trying to help you remember all the things that I told you. And so the Bible is really clear, like remembering is a very, very important thing. And this morning, for the greater good, I think God wants us to remember. But here's the question. Why is it so important? Why is remembering so important? Well, I want you to jot a few things down. I think, first of all, I think it allows us to trust him in the present. Because the reality is for all of us, there are going to be times when God calls us to a realm of faith. He puts us in a place and he says, I want you to be faithful. And the only way that we're going to be faithful is when we remember God's faithfulness in the past. In fact, let's look at this verse. It says here, our portion of scripture today, Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. Here's what it says. It says the people crossed the Jordan on the what day? Okay, so what day, everybody? Tenth day. Okay, just making sure you're tracking with me. Tenth day of the first month. And I want to stop right there because I look at that and I'm like, okay, God, like, why are you so specific here? And the reason that God was so specific and put in the Bible the day that they crossed over, because that was the time in which the nation of Israel was celebrating the Passover. And the Passover for them was a celebration that they did yearly that reminded them of when they used to be in Egypt and how God delivered them um, from the hand of Pharaoh, brought them to the Red Sea, and parted that Red Sea and protected them, and then promised them that they were going to have their own land. The people would remember that. And, and what happened here is what God said to them was, that I would also, once you got out of there, I would bring you to a promised land. But the problem in the promised land is, if you want to take the territory, you've got to defeat kings. And what is true of physical territory for them is also true of spiritual territory for us. We have to defeat spiritual kings if we're going to gain some territory for God. And so God reminds them of that. And then here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 17 through 19. You may say to yourself, like when you get there, God reminding them, right? You might say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. And everybody say this with me. What does it say, everybody? Remember well. It's just like, I love that. Because it's not like this casual remember. Like, oh yeah, I remember when. No, it's like really focusing in on. Remember well, he says, what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials and signs and wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with which the Lord your God. It's always about God. He's always the hero of the story. The Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God, I love this, will do the same. God will do the same to all the peoples you now fear. And what God is saying is, hey man, I'm the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And the way that I worked in the past, I can also work in the present, but you've got to remember. And so here's my question for you this morning. What have you forgotten about? How have you failed to remember 
the blessings of God in your life. Because when we remember the faithfulness of God in the past, it'll give us the ability today to make informed decisions with God. Because if he worked that way in the past, well, certainly God can work that way in the present. And I think it's, you know, for all of us, the, the problem is, I think it's that old song, like, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. There's just this wandering sometimes that happens in our minds that we forget about the faithfulness of God. And then when we find ourselves in front of a faith situation, it's hard for us to trust him. Now, what's interesting here about Israel is they've got a present circumstance. And their present circumstances, they needed to get across the Jordan River. The problem with that is it was flood season. It was springtime. It's when it would rain a lot and when all the snows would melt from Mount Hermon and flow down. And it says here that it was a very dangerous time because the waters were high and the waters were raging and the waters were actually beyond its border. And what I want you to see here is any, a lot of times when we come to these realms of faith, so often we're at a diminished capacity. The nation of Israel, it's not like they were full of strength when they came to this, these, this, this area of faith for them. Because remember, they had just wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They had just seen their family members die. The older generation die off. They were worn out and they were discouraged. And now all of a sudden, they've got to come to this area of faith and trust God in the middle of it. So the problem was great. And they needed to trust the God. They needed to remember. And here's what I believe. Until we're willing to step out in faith and allow our feet to touch the edge of the river, we'll never experience the miracles of God. And these people needed to be willing to do that. And as I thought about this, I kind of wrote down a couple of things. When it comes for us to these circumstances of life, and I want to read them because I don't want to misstate what, what God really put on my heart. And there are two reasons I think that we need to remember. One is this, that if we don't know where we've been, if we don't know where we've been in the past, you won't see what God has done. And if you don't see what God has done, you won't have the courage to do what you need to do. Because all of us have times that will test our faith, where we need courage from God. And if we don't remember in the past, we won't have the courage to do what he's asking us to do today. So what's God asking you to do? What realm of faith does he have you in front of right now? Because if we're going to step forward and see the miracles of God, we've got to have courage. But it's a lot easier to have courage when we remember what God did in the past. And then the second thing I wrote down is this, and I think this is really, really important for us to remember, that if you don't know where you've been, you won't remember how God has blessed you. And if you don't remember how God has blessed you, you will make poor decisions. And it's that simple. Because I think one of the greatest enemies of the spiritual faith, or of our faith, is spiritual amnesia. It's when we forget about how God has worked in the past. And I think it's costly for us when we forget the faithfulness and the blessings of God. See, for the nation of Israel, it was costly. Because what we're told is, is that when they came to the promised land the first time, Moses, at the time, the leader, sent 12 spies into the land to look at the land. It says that when those 12 spies went into the land, they, um, they saw that the land was amazing. Like the grapes were the size of basketballs. Like there was, the, you know, the, there was milk and honey and all this other kind of stuff. The, the soil was super fertile. It was a great place to live. They said, but the problem was, is that there were grasshoppers. They, they felt like grasshoppers in the land because the people were big and there was a mighty, mighty fortresses there. 
So they didn't think they can defeat it. And when the 12 spies came back to bring the report, it says there that 10 of them forgot, 10, forgot about the faithfulness of God. And because they forgot about the faithfulness and the blessings of God in the past, it said they began to be filled with fear and spread a bad, a bad report throughout the land. Joshua and Caleb remembered. Guys, remember Egypt. Remember the Red Sea. Remember what God has done. Certainly he can do this for us if he's done that for us. Realm of faith. But it says the 10 had spread the word so much so that the nation of Israel picked up stones and ready to kill Joshua and Caleb. And I think it's kind of funny because I think then God says, hey, guys, why don't you do this? Why don't you pick up some stones and build a monument? Remember how you wanted to kill them with stones in the past? Guess what? 40 years later, right? I think it's kind of God's sense of humor a little bit. But here's the, here's the truth. Because they forgot to remember, because they didn't remember God's faithfulness in the past and how God had blessed them, they had to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness until they remembered the faithfulness of God again. And I think what was costly for them could be costly for us as well because we don't want to make poor decisions. When I was at that church in Canandaigua, when we went, moved back to New York, after I became a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, um, we, uh, we uh, were at this church, and uh, um, there, was, there was a guy in the church by the name of Dennis. And uh, Dennis um, was about 65 years old. And what I found, saw interesting about Dennis is he was like madly in love with his wife, like madly in love with his wife, so much so that he would often sit at the front of the church and uh, would sometimes make you feel uncomfortable by how close and romantic he was with his wife. Kind of like how Paul and Don are right now. They're just so close and romantic with each other that, you know what I'm saying? It just was uncomfortable. It was kind of like, you know, my kids would be like, Dad, Mom, that's gross. Knock it off. That's disgusting, you know? But he always had his arm, Dennis always had his arm around his wife, and he was always kissing her in the middle of church, and, and you know, just kind of like really, like, it was like real uncomfortable. And so I finally asked the staff member after being there several months, I'm like, what's up with this guy? Like, why is he so romantic with his wife? And the staff member's like, don't you know? And I'm like, no, I don't know. Like, that's why I'm asking you, right? He's like, well, 15 years ago, Dennis made a really poor decision and uh, got his eyes off of his wife and started to look at another teacher that he worked with in the school system and um, actually um, made some really costly mistakes that really harmed and destroyed their marriage. And I'll leave it at that. His wife found out and um, their marriage was done. And it was only by God's divine grace, which is a word to somebody this morning. God is a very gracious God, and he's very divine and can work in any situation, any circumstance. God allowed them to get counseling, and their marriage was restored, and their marriage was healed. And he said what Dennis did coming out of that was he made a commitment to himself that he would never forget about the ways in which God had blessed him in the past because it would allow him to be faithful in the present. He wouldn't forget about the fact that God had blessed him with a beautiful wife who was madly in love with him, two beautiful children that were following after God, a beautiful house and a family and, and, and friends and relationships that they would enjoy that could have been lost in a what I say is a moment of temporary insanity. But because of God's faithfulness, he restored them. And Dennis made a commitment in his heart that he would never get his eyes off of the blessings of God again. So with that said, Paul, go ahead, put your arm around your wife right now. There you go, man, right? But here's the problem. <laughs> no, no, no smooching, all right? We don't want, none of us want to see that. All right? But here's the thing. Isn't it true? Like when we stop and fail to see the faithfulness and the blessings of God in our lives, we make poor decisions. 
And that was a costly thing for Dennis. But the reality is for us as well, it'd be so easy for us to make those decisions. That's why I think the Bible says so, you know, so often that we got to remember the faithfulness and blessings of God. Remember them well. In fact, there's an old hymn, and I won't sing it for you. Uh, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has. There you go. Some of you know that, right? It's so important for us to count our blessings. So if you want to see God do something in the, in the present, you got to remember the past. Second thing is this. Um, not only does it allow us to trust him in the present, but it directs our actions in the future. And I think that's so important. It's going to direct how we respond in the future because we've seen the faithfulness of God in the past. Here, here's what it says in uh, verse uh, 19b and 20. It says, Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Now what we have to remember is, they're going to have to fight nations to get the promised land and the territory that God had for them. Gilgal is just over a mile away from Jericho, and I'm sure from a distance they could see Jericho. And, and at first, if when, the, when the nation of Israel saw that, they're probably like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I can't wait. All filled, right? And awestruck. But the more they looked at it, I'm sure fear began to set in. Because see, Jericho was a fortress. It was a 12-acre fortress that had a six-foot, uh, had a moat, and on the other side of the moat was a six-foot wide wall that was six feet high. And then on the other side of that was a wall which, which uh, archaeologists said ranged from 17 to 50 feet high. And what they would do is they would put archers on the top of that. So if, if nations would come in to try to defeat them, they might be able to get through the moat. But if they got to the top of that first wall, the archers would just pick them off from the top wall. So it was an, impenet an impenetrable fortress. And yet, if you remember from what we've learned so far in this series, the way they would defeat Jericho is by walking in a circle around the, around the city. And eventually on the seventh day, when they walked around seven times, Jericho would crumble. Do you know what Gilgal means? Gilgal means circle. And I can't help think that God's got a sense of humor. Because I think what God was doing was saying, guys, you're hanging out in circle. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to go make some circles. But if you remember my faithfulness in the past, how I brought you out of Egypt, how I just helped you cross the, the river, if you remember the circle of where you're staying right now, you'll have success in the future, but you just have to remember. And it's not just defeating Jericho, but it's the lands thereafter. And so for them, it was a great reminder from God. For us, we need to think about the fact that if God has been faithful in the past, there will be things that he will ask us to do in the future that might not make sense to us today, but in the future, if we're going to take future territories for God in our spiritual lives and for our families and for our friends and for our church and for our nation, we have to remember what God has done. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it so well. He said it this way, anyone who feels neither responsibility towards the past, nor, look at this, nor desire to shape the future is one who forgets. And my friends, here's what I know. Every person in this room today has a desire to shape the future. We want to see God use us to make a difference in the future, which leads us to the last point, and it's this. The reason that we need to remember is it leaves a legacy that not only benefits us, but it benefits future generations. It leaves a legacy. Look what it says in Joshua 4, verse 21. It said, Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. And I want to hit pause here because this is really the first example of show and tell in all of Scripture. You know what you learned in kindergarten, show and tell? No, it started here, okay? 
Um, that was funny, by the way. And I don't care if you don't think it was funny. I think it was funny, but that was funny, okay? Um, but here's what it goes on to say. This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground, all two million of them. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until they were all, they were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until they had crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth, all the nations, might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. See, here's the deal. You know who God did it for? He did it for them. But not only did he do it for them, he did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for our benefit. He did it so that all of humanity might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and they might learn to fear God. And here's what I believe. It was for the greater good, which is our theme for this morning. And for the greater good, they had to remember. And what's important is this. I believe that there is a transfer principle that happens when we, the people of God, remember the faithfulness of God. I believe what happens is when we do that, God uses the example of others to inspire us to be faithful and live the way that he wants us to do to, to today so that we can be people of faith in the future. In fact, when I was growing up, my dad um, was um, the number one um, and my mom and dad, uh, my dad was the third best archer in all of the U.S., ranked the third best at one point. In fact, um, when my parents and my mom and dad went to their first national championship, they actually are the only couple that ever took first place nationally out of everyone else, a husband and wife team. Absolutely an amazing archer. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. And, uh, and, and one of the things that you'd see if you came to our house growing up, we had a family room. And in the family room, there was a mantle that was about two feet wide and about 12 feet long. And that entire mantle was filled with trophies that my dad had received from winning first place in all of these competitions that he was in. Some were small, some were super high. And I remember being a kid, eight, nine years of age, looking at that mantle and seeing those trophies. And someone who shot competition archery myself, I'm like, I got to get some of those trophies. Those things are cool. Those things are awesome. But you know what happened was, it was the trophies that my dad had achieved because of his successes that compelled me to want to get some trophies of my own. And what was true of my dad in archery is true of our lives spiritually as well. When we share about the faithfulness of God in our lives, what it does is it compels our children and future generations to say, if God could do that for you because of faith, can he certainly do that for me? And what testimonies are, and they're so important, is it's, it's a public acknowledgement and a declaration of God's goodness. That's what they are. And what I want to say to us today is, listen, never underestimate the power of a God story. Because here's the thing about my God. He didn't do it for just you. He did it for solidarity. He did it for us. He did it for the world. And what I want to share with you right now is this. They're not only good things that God has done, like parting the river to allow them to cross across. It's not only the good things of when he's blessed us in, in faithful ways, he's provided and protected us and blessed us, like when he's sent those stimulus checks our way and we saw the faithfulness of God in that, but it's also the bad things as well. Because God wants us to share not only the way that he was faithful in the good things, but also faithful, and I don't even want to say the word bad, let me take that back, faithful in the hard things. Because what God wants us to do is share those hard things with others so that we can help a 
current generation to be able to stay strong in their faith because if God can help us through the hard times, he can help them through the hard times as well. And the nation of Israel, there were some really, really hard things that were happening for them when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And for sake of time, I'm not going to share those with us. But not where there were spiritual lessons. And I think sometimes one of the dangers of reading a story like this is we're saying, oh yeah, it must have been so easy for them to talk about how God let them go through the river, the Jordan River parted it and get across on the other side. Wasn't God just amazing? Yes. But for them, they would look back and say, but hey, let me share with you not only how God blessed us there in the good times, but let me share with you how he delivered us from the heart in those difficult days, how he provided for us in the wilderness. How when we made costly mistakes, he still forgave us of those mistakes. And instead of wallowing in our brokenness, he allowed us to become victorious in those mistakes and use them in a powerful way. Guys, there's a verse. Write this down. Proverbs 28, verse 13. And what that verse says is that when you and I uncover our brokenness, God covers our brokenness with mercy. But if you and I are willing to cover over our brokenness, and not share that with other people, then what God does is he uncovers our brokenness so the world can see. And I think one of the dangerous things that we have as um, followers of Christ is that we fall into what I call a self-preservation mode. And what self-preservation is, is about, no, I want to protect myself so that people don't see my brokenness. But you know who that hurts? It hurts you. But when you can be honest with your brokenness and your struggles and the things that have happened in the past, and you uncover those things and you use them as a testimony in this world, Scripture says that before God, you find mercy. And not only do you find mercy with God, but then it'll be used to help other people who are going through the same thing. And I think you want that. In fact, think about it as parents, right? Don't you, you how many people really love to learn by the school of hard knocks? Anybody in the room? How many of you would rather learn from somebody else's mistakes? I know I would, right? And we want that even for our own children, right? How many of us who have children, we're like, oh man, I made that mistake. Don't make that mistake. Let me just show you, like, there is a better way, right? And the problem is, is if we're not helping them see the better way because we're being honest about our own struggles, they're going to repeat the same mistakes that we've made. And that's why I say the power of a God story is important. And so next week, I want to challenge you. One of the things that we're going to do is we are going to have a baptism info class across the street in our church office at 930 in the morning. And I want to challenge you, if you have never been baptized before, give us a shot by coming to that class at 930. Because what I want to do is share with you a little bit about what baptism is and how God can use that in your life. But what baptism is all about is it's about you not only being obedient because God has asked you to do something out of obedience, The very first thing he asks you to do is to get baptized. But it's an opportunity for you to share your faith journey with others. Because not only will God use it to encourage your heart, but he'll use it to encourage the hearts of others in the room as well. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, that is the favorite part of my job, is when I get to hear the God stories, the -the behind-the-scenes stories of how God has worked in somebody's life. It always inspires me. It always encourages me. And so what I want to challenge you, if you've never been baptized Let your story be known because there will be somebody else in the room watching you get baptized that will be saying, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. If God could do it for them, then, then just maybe, right? Just maybe God could do it for me. And it becomes an encouragement. And what I want to say is you leave a spiritual legacy. So church, let's remember, 
Remembering is critical to God. Not only does it give you faith in the present, not only will it help you make informed decisions in the future, but it will allow you to leave a legacy with your life. And all of us want to leave a legacy. So what do we do with this? Two quick things as we close this morning. First thing I want to challenge you with, how are we going to remember? Well, I think the first thing that we need to do is we just need to build a monument. Like like nation of Israel, man, they took 12 stones. Let me ask you, what stones are you picking up and what kind of monuments are you building? Because until we build those monuments, we're, we're not going to remember the faithfulness of God in the past. And others aren't going to see that as well. I don't know. Maybe for you, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, taking a picture, right? Because what do they say? Like a, a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Those pictures this morning that I showed, man, they spoke volumes to me about how God faithfully provided for us over the years and, and, and grew us. Uh, maybe it's a picture. Maybe it's, it's uh, a video blog. Maybe you do a video blog. Maybe you just write it down. Uh, maybe, I don't know, what it is that God asks you to do. You get baptized. But I think what God wants us to do is he wants us to build monuments as a reminder to us. Second thing is I want to challenge you with is live in community. I think that's so important. Not only do we want to build monuments, but I think we need to build, build a living community. And so what I want to challenge you with as we close this morning, I think the best way that we can do that is when we get involved in a connect group. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.